right, welcome back into the home of Sooner fans. This is The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Okay, let's kick off Hour 2 with some football talk. Recruiting-wise, looks like a really good weekend for the Sooners, Josh. Really good weekend. According to his own personal Twitter feed, Ryan Foji, offensive lineman out of Cypress, Texas, 6'5", 275 committed to Oklahoma over the weekend. Looks like he had offers from Arkansas, Baylor, Cal's on this list, at least with interest uh, interest in him. Kansas as well. So not the like the massive not the massive names that you were going up against for Foji, but it gets the class of 2025 up to 10 hard commits right now with what's uh What's really kind of cool about that is six of those 10 commits are Oklahoma guys in the 2025 class. I also saw, by the way, I think uh, he tweeted it as well to, was it Mason James from Norman North? Josh picked up an offer from Texas A&M over the weekend. He's a big-time player, man. Is he? Uh, That's good to hear. But Foji becomes the second Offensive lineman in this group for 50, uh, 2025, including Owen Hollenbeck out of Texas. I I didn't know much about him. Uh, I, I watched a couple of always reliable YouTubes about him. Seems like a solid guy that maybe Oklahoma is getting on pretty, I don't know if this is considered early, but getting that commit early because the more people watch and the more people learn about him, it seems as if this is a guy whose profile can skyrocket beyond, what, three stars and the 27th best offensive tackle in the class and the 44th best player in Texas. I don't know. I, I've got 24-7 up. Their composite has him ranked as the 401st overall player. But again, Bill Beanbow, Brent Venables, Joe John, Seth Luttrell saw something they really like in an upside for Ryan Foji, go get him. And they did. I think he's going to be a big-time riser in this class. I, I will not uh, claim to be this expert uh, offensive line evaluator. And, uh, you know, look, the the difference in player that you're going to see on a consistent basis, e- even at Cypress, Texas, on, on up to Oklahoma, is obviously radically different. But that being said, you, you turn on the tape, Six foot five has the type of frame where he's going to add thirty pounds to it pretty comfortably. He looks like he moves really well. Plank he can he can pull and run and and uh, and be athletic in that way a little bit. And obviously he's he's really good outside uh, as a tackle right now. He's only going to get better. His uh, to my understanding his story is this: he camped at Oklahoma this time a year ago in the summer, and then his first offer came in a little bit after that from well. Oklahoma. Mm. So his first offer was from OU, and then all of a sudden you look up, and uh, these are Big Ten and SEC offers in addition to Oklahoma that Foji collected. Arkansas, uh, Maryland, Missouri, Nebraska, Oregon, Purdue, Tennessee, Texas, A&M, USC. So he got a lot of offers outside of Oklahoma. I think he's going to wind up just watching the, the bits and pieces that I've seen of him. The frame, the ability, the athleticism. I think he will finish as a blue chip talent in this class. Whoa. That is nice. Uh, there is a great article on OUinsider.com right now. 
where Brandon Drum caught up with Foji. The quote that was on Twitter that I saw, Coach Beanbo is the best in the industry. So a good get there. Meanwhile, uh, all kinds of 2025 news. I was mentioning I've, I've become a fan of Locked On, which is every single day from 2 to 3, become a fan. I've been a fan. And on Thursday or Wednesday of last week, I had heard Parker and Tyler talking about Lincoln Cure, the tight end. Um, the four-star weighing the offer from Oklahoma right now. Here's the quote that he gave Parker. I don't want to go somewhere and be hoping, uh, be hopping in and out of the transfer portal. I want to go somewhere and stay and have a legacy and have an impact on that school. So Lincoln Cure, big uh, tight end out of Goodland, Kansas. 6'6", 220 pounds. Uh, that's a beast. Penn State, Notre Dame, and Oregon, among others. That's uh, that's right up there with the same crew that we're battling with Nate for. Right? You think about Nate Roberts. Boy, go look. I'm telling you something, guys. This is going to be a battle for Nate Roberts. You see pictures with head coaches coming here? I tell you it every single month, every single day, almost every single day, because I love the kid and I want him to be a Sooner. But holy smokes, man. Priority number one to a lot of people. Andy Coltelnicki has even said as much. Listen, man, we got to get better at tight end in my offense. Boom. Where is he? Where was James Franklin when they could be there? Washington. But, you know, I, I started thinking about that tight end room and getting Nate Roberts, add Lincoln Cure. That's pretty solid, man. And uh, I think it also, with the Lincoln Cure conversation, as, as Parker has talked about and as he's written, the Sooners have inked the top player out of the Sunflower State in each, in two of the last three recruiting cycles, with Michael Boganowski in the 24 class and Jaron Kanick in the 2022 class. So, looks like we're in the mix for a couple big-time tight ends at Oklahoma, too. I love it. What did you make... Okay, this is always where I need those that live the recruiting life more than I do to help me out. Because this did, dude, this did really confuse me quite a bit. When, when you're given like a crystal ball or you're given a, what, what, a future cast or anything of that nature, I completely and totally understand that it's just, it's a prediction, right? Hey, I'm predicting where they're going to go. But... Like, immediately, if the dude that you've, like, given the crystal ball to immediately retweets and is kind of, I don't know, seemingly clowning it, does that raise any concern at, at I, all? Yeah, that would raise some concern for me, sure. I, I mean, and, and, you know, McQuistian's our guy, so we love him to death. But this weekend, over the weekend... Jonah Williams, five-star linebacker in the 2025 class. Looks like a freaking rock star, dude. Was given uh, the quote-unquote, what's the word I'm looking for here, Josh, in this instance? Crystal ball, future cast, whatever. On three prediction. On three prediction to go to Oklahoma. And then um, almost, I don't want to say immediately but rather quickly jonah williams tweeted good thing crystal balls are just predictions to which i thought well that's not good i mean i i'm not saying anything negative about that decision obviously our buddy 
Josh has tons of information that would lead him to do that. I don't think on three is getting on the phone and be like, Josh McQuistion, you better give him a crystal ball somewhere right now or a future cast or an on three prediction. No, he. I mean, look, he takes his craft very seriously. He's the best. He, he wouldn't know. It's, he, he's not just throwing something out there to see if it sticks. Right. So immediately whenever I saw Jonah Williams at 1.30 in the morning, 1.30 in the morning tweet, good thing crystal balls are just predictions. I'm like, well, that's not good. Jonah, are you saying that you don't like covered wagons? <laughs> but, okay, so I had to laugh, though, Josh. Did you look at the very first reply to the tweet that Jonah Williams threw out there? That's, <laughs> no, what does it I, say? Okay. Can you read it? Yeah, I can. But it's along the lines of our um, go be great, you do you kind of a thing. Oh, no. The very – no offense to Dry Fit Venables, who follows me, I'm a fan of. But Jonah Williams tweets, good thing crystal balls are just predictions with the laughing, crying face emoji. So I'm just like, whoa, that's not a good sign. But the very first tweet from Dry Fit Venables was, this is your time, no one else's. I'm like, what are we even doing? 100, baby. 100 with the heart emoji. Stop. Doing right now. I see we got the ducks in here. Yeah, Longhorns oh, yeah. are in here. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> this is your time. Let God be your leader. He will never put you in position to fail. Well, that's great news, bro. I don't really know if that's what I need to be tweeting at recruits right now. I mean, what, what are we even doing? I like right this now? reply from John. Come uh-huh. on now, Norman's home. Don't play. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just found that odd, right? And. You don't usually have, at least in what I've seen thrown into my timeline, guys immediately responding to that. Usually it would be a retweet and that's it. He, uh, by the way, Jonah Williams, let's hope that the prediction comes to fruition because (sighs) have you watched his tape? You know what I did? As soon as I saw, uh, because Josh was kind of tweeting at Texas fans last night, as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, let's see what this is all about. And there's a surprising amount of Jonah Williams highlights available. I mean, he just looks like a guy that you could put in there right now and play. Yeah, he's really good. It's, uh, again, the the jump from where he's at to college, I get all that. There's a couple of plays on his tape where he's not even worried about the wide receiver. He's just looking at the quarterback like, when's he going to throw this and when am I going to, you know, intercept this thing and run it back the other way? So he's a big-time talent with the the football in his hands and at six-foot-three, that type of size. There's some people that think he'd be a linebacker at the next level. There's others that view him as, you know, a, a safety corner. So he is the prototypical made for the cheetah, right? Yeah. Where you kind of blend everything together. He looks to me uh, not to be, you know, too much over our skis here. I mean, he looks to me like that. If he stays healthy, I don't know how that guy's not going to play in the NFL. Yeah. No, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I I was really impressed. So kind of kind of fun in the social media world with Jonah Williams, but we'll continue to keep an eye on him. And then a few other guys that threw some stuff on Twitter, Caleb Cunningham, the five star wide receiver, and Cooper Perry, the four star wide receiver, about living the sooner life. But right now as it stands, I, I usually try to use the rankings that has Oklahoma the highest. 
The class of 2025 for Oklahoma is ranked fifth overall, and the composite ranks fifth overall. And uh, it's the we still got a ways to go, right? But of the four teams ahead of them, Notre Dame, LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State. That's fifth overall with Texas at 10 right now. Still, again, like I said, a long way to go. And you know what's going to be interesting, Josh? Is to follow what happens to Alabama. To follow what happens to Alabama post Nick Saban. Because the 2025 class, which again, the crew is barely on campus. They're still putting together their staff. They only got a couple of commits, uh, but they're 30th. You're going to get in some battles with Alabama for guys. You know you are. So Oklahoma's got to make sure that they stay on top of it. But was there anything else, Cruton-wise, you wanted to jump into before we move on and talk a little bit about the Super Bowl? No, I think those are the two big nuggets. By the way, any idea where Goodland, Kansas, is located? I have no clue. Is it closer to us than I realize? No, it's way out west. Oh. It's it's west of Hayes and uh, northwest of Hutch and all that. It is basically, I mean, you're right there, Kansas, Colorado border, pretty close. Mm. So this is uh, my man. If he winds up at Oklahoma, that is a true Kansas country boy, no doubt. So there's the update. Obviously, there is much more, and there's big names out there that Parker and Steelman will be talking about coming up at noon, and then at two o'clock today, locked on with Josh. Look, I'm trying to make you work from two to three. Well, the locked, locked, in, locked, in. <laughs> locked in, locked on thing is yeah. it's very troublesome, isn't it? Well, because you do the Locked On Sooners podcast, and then our show is called Locked In from two to three. So I like both names. That subtle difference throws me every single time. Locked in, two to three today with Tyler and Parker. Quick break for us. It is Super Bowl week. Low-hanging fruit question of the day. That's what we'll call it whenever I'm on. Next, right here on The Ref. I see this a lot on the Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line. So do you think we can record a segment and just play it every single time I come on uh, that someone asks the question in some way, shape, or form? Uh, like Big John from Texas writes, who's our projected softball starters this year by position? And then LG Sooner writes, do you have any info on TV broadcasting for the OU softball games? So can I, can we tape something and just, you know, re-air it whenever we feel necessary? Absolutely. If you're comfortable with that, I'm comfortable <laughs> I, with I that. Might, we'll just I, might, <laughs> I might send you something that I'll just tape. And then that way, every time someone asks, we'll be able to help you out. Flow softball for this weekend. Flow softball for this weekend Flow softball for Mary Nutter, ESPN Plus for Lake Charles. There you go. And the ESPN Plus broadcasts of two of those games, I think we're in charge of. So it'll be like a one-camera shoot. So don't be getting all grinchy and moany about it. We have to be creative to make it work. So uh, there, I hope that helps. And as far as starters are concerned, I mean, we went through this a little bit with Toby. I, uh, you were right, Josh. Me, a little media day today. Patty Gasso and the team's meeting with the media today. I think it's up 5 o'clock. So maybe we'll learn a little bit more. I'm, uh, I'm of the understanding they're healthy. I'm of the understanding that there's, there's no injuries or le- le- 
carryover, lagging, looming, whatever way you want to look at it. But I, I, from everything that I've heard and I've seen, they're pretty healthy right now. But I think that it'll be whoever shows they can play third well enough to where you feel confident moving Brito to first, or short, excuse me, or whoever plays second where you feel confident enough to move T.R.A. Jennings to short. In short, see what I just did there? I think I think we're going to see a lot of players play short this year. But my guess for the opening game would be Brito at short, Torres at third, Jennings at second. That'd be my guess. With a good battle between Cassidy Pickering and Hannah Core in left field. So I'll uh, I'll throw something on tape so every time someone asks, we can do our best to have at least somewhat of an answer for him, Josh. That's terrific. Maybe I'll just do a podcast. Maybe I'll just take a podcast where I'll just answer all those questions. Here are your TV networks for the following games, which, as you know, makes me very mad because I think you should be listening to the broadcast instead of watching it. But, yeah, Flow Softball for Mexico and for Palm Springs, California, ESPN Plus for Lake Charles. Do you know I'm driving to Lake Charles? Oh, really? Do you know what that drive is? How far? Uh, it, it's it's a little bit more than I thought. It's eight hours. Eight hours, Josh. Now, what led to you choosing to drive? I think a I think the support staff is busing. So the teams gotcha. and I. So I don't know if it's a private flight and I didn't make the cut or what. Uh, it's a little bit easier, I think, budgetarily. Whenever you do this and. It makes it a lot easier, Josh, with the equipment. I think the biggest, if there's one thing that I've learned, and again, Coach, if you're listening, Jackie, and I'm wrong, but trying to make sure that you get all your equipment on and you don't have to pay all the ex exorbitant, excessive baggage costs because of the weight, then if you're able to bust down, then that's good. But I've got it at eight hours and eight minutes right now. So, Boy, that'll be a quick little jaunt for you. I, I'm also, by the way, to add to it, I'm pretty sure that I'm just going to stay on Sunday night and drive back Monday morning. So uh, we'll be live on the road come a week from Monday. I Thank like you. it. <laughs> um, 614 on the uh, text line. Go ahead. Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Plank, could you tell us the lineup order for game one and game two? <laughs> You got it, 614. Here we go. Leading off is Jada Coleman. Uh, after that, I think it could be about anything. Jeff from OKC has asked this a couple of times, so let me go ahead and, and answer this before we get to my low-hanging fruit in a, uh, Super Bowl questions of the week. Jeff writes, do you feel done wrong by Cliff Kingsbury? Are you now a Cliff Kingsbury hater? No. I mean, I, I think – we are sometimes in such a race to be first with reporting that people get out over their skis. And while I think the Raiders and Cliff Kingsbury had a, an agreement, there were still some I's to dot and T's to cross. And this has happened a couple of times in the Mark Davis era. It's not the first time. But I also, I also think that Cliff Kingsbury realizes he's got a chance to coach Caleb Williams. And I think when that opportunity popped up in Washington, it was – Oh, so Aiden O'Connell or Caleb Williams? Yeah, I think I'll go there. Now, again, that would involve the, the 
commanders having to move up to the top pick. But I think when Dan Quinn got the job, I think Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury know each other pretty well. I think he's like, listen, if I get a job, I'm calling you. You're going to be my guy. And when Quinn got the Washington job, it was, dude, we're going to go get Caleb Williams. And I think in that instance, Cliff Kingsbury thought, well, I could sit here with a Raider offense that barely averaged double digits this year and has no quarterback right now, or I could go to Washington where they're at least going to get one of the top three quarterbacks in this draft, if not move up and get Caleb Williams. So I no no hate whatsoever. I I I never believe any of these things usually until I see the game day, <laughs> until I see it kick off. So you're you're good with that. Business is business. Business is business. Don't know much about the Chicago guy we got, except that Chicago's offense was really bad the last few years. But it seems to me, Josh, as if the Raiders looked at it and kind of blamed Justin Fields. Listen, Luke Getze, we understand why you're struggling so bad. Your quarterback stinks. So I will say all my excitement about going and getting Justin Fields went out the door whenever I saw that they uh, they brought in Luke Getze because I don't think there's any way you can watch what the Bears hit offensively, Josh, and say, give me some of that in 2023 because that's essentially what they've done. I'm going to laugh through the tears right now as we move on. So are you now – of a strong belief that Washington will draft first. I am of a strong belief that Washington will draft first. They at least intend to, I guess, right, is sort of what everybody takes from this. And then I think I think if you're Chicago, I still think you have to look at quarterback. How about here's what I if Chicago can sell themselves on Drake May or Jane Daniels or Jalen Daniels, excuse Gosh, me. Gosh, I just think you have uh but it's such an If you're taking a quarterback, right? you got to take Caleb. I mean, you'd, you'd be kicking yourself for years. You know, the next 15, 20 years if Caleb Williams is, you know, uh, a no-doubt superstar. And, I mean. Unless, of course, you get one, too. Then, <laughs> then hey, whatever, right? What if they decide to stick with Fields and they take, like, Marvin Harrison Jr. second? I think there's. I mean, there are some Bears fans that want that to sort of be what happens. Anyway, thanks for the uh, thanks for the text, Jeff from OKC. Josh, every day as we lead up to your Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, I want to ask of you and of the Ref Army, specifically the Plank Platoon, a low hanging Super Bowl debate question, something that. Is it necessarily game-related, but might be for the future of the game and something that we typically fight and scratch and claw about every year? Now, it's a little bit different from the topic du jour. Every Super Bowl week with the Radio Row or whatever we're calling it now, there is always a debate. In the past years, we've had debates about can the NFL be successful in L.A.? Then we have the year where the debate was, should pass interference be a reviewable rule? That came after that horrible non-call in the Saints-Rams game. Mm-hmm. Over, overtime rules, Josh. Big debate, right? We've had labor issues during Super Bowl week. And I'm willing to bet this week with the Super Bowl being in Vegas, I'm going to go out on a limb and think that we're going to have a lot of gambling talk. A lot of talk about gambling and its place in the NFL. And then what really is kind of a cool story about how Vegas – has arrived as an embraced sports city. I mean, we're going to have a baseball team there, eventually going to have an NBA team there. And whenever I first started in radio, if you even mention the idea 
of professional sports in Vegas, you were like, how dare you? They wouldn't even put the UNLV games on the board because they were worried about potential improper, what's the best way to put it, Josh? Well, the game's getting fixed. Ding, ding, ding. And, you know, what's wild is all of this movement to Vegas right. is happening, and we've had multiple controversies yep. with, uh, you know, sports programs and figures betting on games, and yet it's just inevitable, right? I mean, the integration of sports gambling with just the professional uh, professional sports world in general, it's just happening. It's yep. seamless. There's too much Embrace money involved. It. People aren't going to – People aren't going to turn it down. And meanwhile, Vegas uh, has become a big league city in its own right because, hey, they, they got the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, granted, when you go to a Stanley Cup in your first year, that sort of expedites things. They were really good yeah. really quickly as uh, an expansion team. But they've continued to support that team incredibly well. The Raiders, right, uh, are, are a big-time draw. And, oh, by the way, uh, here you go. Now you're going to have Major League Baseball, too. So it's been a city that has stepped up in a big league way to support its teams. Yeah, agreed, agreed. With all that said, these are the types of things that people fight about during the week. I I think roughing the quarterback is going to be a big debate this week, right, and how that rule is enforced. But every week, or I'm sorry, every day, we're going to have one of these debates about one of these topics. So you ready? I pulled – I've got five. I don't think I'm going to be on the show five days this week. But here's my first one. Okay. Should the Super Bowl – be played on Saturday. Should the Super Bowl be played on Saturday, Josh? Is this a situation where the NFL needs to mirror the college model where they say, you know that day that we always play and everyone is set for us to to, to play and to watch us? Yeah, we don't care about that when it comes to our championship because we're going to do it on Monday night. It's like, what? Colleges you watch, and when do you, for the most part, watch college football? Saturday, 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 Saturday. College basketball, same thing, right? For the most part, the big games are on Saturday. But when it comes to championship time, when it comes to the money maker, when is their championship? It's on Monday. The NFL, Super Bowl Sunday has become a thing unlike anyone that organized this event back in Super Bowl One could have ever imagined, Josh. But because we have to have something to complain about, people are mad that it's on Sunday and they have to go to work on Monday. So should we talk about Super Bowl Saturday becoming a thing? What say you? I don't think so. And the reason being, the ratings continue to grow. They're not going the wrong direction. So clearly – after 113 million people dialed in to Philadelphia, Kansas City to end last season, it, that was 12 million more than the year before. So it's what they're doing is right. They've got the right window. From a fan standpoint, for, for you and me and everybody else to uh, basically get to treat Sunday as a rest up and get ready for the work uh, week the rest of the day, uh, you know, that, that would be nice as a fan, but I just don't think that we're going to get to that point because, again, the, the network results out there, the proof is in the pudding. They're getting big-time whopper ratings. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I don't feel like this has been a long-term conversation. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like it's something that has emerged over the last few years. It's like, why are we doing this on Sunday? Why can't we do this on Monday or, or Saturday so we can have Sunday to celebrate? But I just – 
some things are ingrained in our world and our life, and I get it. If you're not, the only thing constant in life is change. But isn't it okay for some things to just be what they are? Hey, it sucks that you've got to work on Monday. I know no one wants to take a day off work this early in the year, but if it's that important to you, uh, take a day off. But I would add, Josh, just some things are meant to be on certain days and certain spots on the calendar. Well, the NFL gets played primarily on Sundays. On Sundays. And uh, whatever that percentage breakdown is of the games, I mean, most of it, right? 75% is that a, is probably more think, than that, right? I think it's more than that, yeah. So it gets played on Sundays. And to culminate, to end the season on Super Bowl Sunday, I, there's a tradition angle here for me that uh, I'm kind of a sucker in that way for it, too, that this is what I've grown up with, and I, I don't really want to see it change. But I, I am here for the text line, which says, make Monday a national holiday. But see, okay, then there is the counter to it, right? You can say what you want about whether or not Saturday should be where the Super Bowl is. Should Monday become a holiday? Yes. We need more holidays. When in doubt, yes on another holiday. Do you know what? I grew up in Illinois. Um. Wood River, Illinois is my hometown. We had a day that was called Pulaski Day that we got off work or got off school. I never worked in Illinois. But um, I, I don't know if it's like a global celebration or a worldwide celebration. But on the first Monday in March, we would celebrate Pulaski Day. So maybe we could find some. I mean. Pulaski Day was something that started for me whenever I was like in grade school. It's like, well, wait, hold on. What? We've never had this day off. So now all of a sudden we're going to get Pulaski Day off. All right, I'll take it. Um, maybe it's something now looking back, Josh, we could find someone to where every state can have a day to celebrate one of its. Wisconsin schools also celebrate Casimir uh, Pulaski Day. They don't close for it. Banks in Illinois close for it. But, I mean, could we have like a Will Rogers Day in Oklahoma? Maybe in Texas they can have a, oh, I don't know, give me a Texas, a Matthew McConaughey Day, where it's just like randomly you celebrate that person and, oh, it just so happens to fall on the Monday after the Super Bowl. Now, there's an idea. It's just amazing on these types of topics. Large William, no more national holidays. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just going to get a little bit just of a, uh, everything. Hey, just an idea. Just an idea. All right. Well, like I said, every day leading up to the Super Bowl, we'll have our low-hanging fruit, um, our, our hacky debate of the day. And at 405-651-3439, today's hacky Super Bowl, Super Bowl debate should the Super Bowl move to Saturday? Or then do we also add, Josh, does Monday need to become a holiday? Absolutely. Plank Show, on the uh, on the road, kind of. I'm in our Goldsby, Washington studios. Josh is hanging out in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. Ross, hang in there. I'll get your call. We'll hit your text next right here on The Ref. Plank Show, we are back. Josh Elmer alongside, well, Chris Plank right here again on the Plank Show. Hour number two presented by Allison Insurance. Check them out online, allisoninsurance.com. Number to call, 405-745-2968. Ross, I know, is hanging on, and uh, I'm sure this time of year wants to talk a little softball. Hey, hey real quick, uh, our friends at Buffalo Wild Wings, we love B-dubs, baby. That's uh, the 
well, that's where we house all of our high school coaches shows that are a lot of fun on krevsports.tv. Every Wednesday, we are in, or I should say I'm in, standing in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. And today, opening up in a, a matter of minutes, here at 11 a.m., their newest location what? at Northwest 164th and Portland ah. up in the Deer Creek area. Ah, so okay. to our Deer Creek friends out there, let's go, baby. Buffalo Wild Wings, here it comes. That's awesome. Now, that's a little bit... Um, a little bit out there for me, but more Buffalo Wild Wings is never a bad thing in my book. Dude, there is nothing that gets me more excited than whenever I give out options for dinner and one of the kids says Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't hear anything else. We're gone. There's nowhere else we're going. No more suggestions needed. That's it. So congratulations to the newest addition to the Buffalo Wild Wings family. All right, I haven't even looked at the text line. So let me let me do that <laughs> while we get Ross in here on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. What's going on? It, wait, it is Ross, right? It no, is Ross, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. What's up, Ross? Hey, so I got a smile on my face. The sun is coming out more. The temperatures are going up, and I'm doing backflips in the yard. <laughs> it must be softball season. And that's where we are, my friend. And I am so freaking happy. And I'm going to eschew the the television shows. I'm listening to you, brother. I until it gets, that. I really do, and I look forward to your voice, and it's kind of encompassing. I'm retired now from the landscape business, but I used to, you know, incorporate that because my landscape business would start getting hot in February, <laughs> and uh, so the two went hand in hand. And uh, but anyway, just a couple of things. This personal thing I wanted to tell you. I'm not going to reveal anything. You live right by my sister-in-law. Oh, I, I got do. Married four years ago. Last name's Hawkins. Oh, yeah, you let's live go. right. Yeah, you live right by her in there where you live, and uh, so I, I thought that was cool because we talked a lot about you. Tell but her not anyway. to judge me about my yard. Don't judge me by my yard. <laughs> all right, it's just it's you know too what, much no, for me I right now. I haven't even been out to her house, <laughs> and I've been married to her sister for four years now. That's awesome. But anyway, um, so I'm thinking. First starter, Utah Valley. I hope Utah Valley is used to football scores being laid on them. Uh, I don't know if they ever dreamed a, a three-touchdown game on them. But um, I'm thinking the first pitcher, I'm thinking deal. I think you're reason, right. I think you're right. Because I think Patty this year wants to surge her. I think they, they want to make her number one next year. I really do. And she's got that potential. She just needs confidence in a game like that, and I think they're saving Maxwell for Washington. Would you guess that? Yeah, and in fact, it was funny because we went through this practice, what Josh like last week, and I didn't even mention Kelly Maxwell. And then as we were getting ready to go to break, I'm like, wait a minute, they got Kelly Maxwell. What am I doing right now? <laughs> uh, but you know yeah. what? I, I agree with you 100% on Kirsten Deal. Keeney might be an option too, I think, in the opener because I do think that they want, and, and she didn't throw in the fall. Um, yeah. But I think you're thinking the right way, Ross. I think it's, you know, let's make sure we have someone that hasn't seen Washington a lot, and I and I haven't dug yet, but I don't think Kelly Maxwell has thrown that much against Washington in her career. Well, I, you know, I think Duke's going to be uh, Nicole, and uh, just just my opinion. Uh, hmm. You think Patty's going to be mean and throw the girl from Wisconsin at him? <laughs> I don't. I, I paint Monticelli. I like her. 
I don't know. Oh, I do too. She's a strikeout pitcher. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where she is, though, in that uh, pecking order right now. I, I don't know yeah. what they still need to see from her or not. I mean, I'm sure we'll get some answers today whenever they meet with the media at 5 o'clock, but I feel okay. like that they've got uh, they've got a pretty good handle on when and where they want to use them, and I don't, I don't know where Peyton is in that pecking order right now. Gotcha. Holy smokes, man, when she throws – well, it's, the, it's the deepest pitching. I did some. I did some studying. Ooh, There's a get this. Get this plank. Fifteen hundred strikeouts among the five girls. One hundred seventy-eight. One hundred seventy-eight wins. Dang. Yeah, I, I did the studying on that. That has to be the deepest. You got to take out Monica Abbott because her records will never be approached. Because Tennessee pitched her every single game. It seemed like, but. I think this is the deepest staff, one to five in history. It has to be, and because uh, the wins they already have coming into the season, where they're just monolithic. I mean, it's just it's just untouchable. So, I don't know what that word but, means. And uh, but I just want I, I want to say, listening to you, man, I love you when you get on there and do that. And I just can't wait. I've listened to the replay of Hanson's home run, <laughs> and watched it on YouTube about a hundred times. Go crazy, you know. I. I I just I can't wait. I love this season, and I can't wait to hear you guys and start being prepared for me to call every week a few love times. It. I'm here for it, Ross. Thanks for the call, right. buddy. See you later, buddy. I gotta really be nice to Ross. He knows where I live, Josh. Monolithic. So I don't know what of an organization or system, large, powerful, intractably indivisible, and uniform. Whatever. I was a freshman in high school. I took a class called. I think it was. Uh, vocabulary. I'm a public school kid, okay? And we learned that word. And the other word we learned that day was tepid. And for some reason, I feel it necessary, Josh, to find places to slide in tepid more than I do monolithic. So maybe I'll try that more today. Uh, Kelly Maxwell has thrown against Washington before. It was in 2021. uh, 2022, excuse me. She uh, took the loss, gave up seven hits in five innings. So I was 22. She had 10 strikeouts in the game. But I, 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 I'm really fascinated to see what that rotation looks like. And if there is one thing that I'm even more intrigued, what is the amount of... Uh, can we still like row? I mean, how much, how much will they want with this deep of a staff for OU softball? How much will it be? Hey, um, I'll just use a name. Hey, Kirsten doesn't have today. Let's get Kelly in there. When you have six pitchers, Josh, or listen, uh, Kelly struggle. Let's go get SJ because they got a lot of lefties. Will it be? Let's let's keep things where we can roll other pitchers in, or will it be? All right, let's let her work through this. Let's let's see how she handles this. Because you know you're going to score. I mean, this offense this offense is probably going to be in the end one of the more prolific offenses if they just continue the production that they've had over the last few years that we've ever seen. Boy, what's really putting a high amount of pressure on them, isn't it? Hey, listen, doesn't matter how many runs you give up. This offense is going to score like 10 runs a game, so don't even worry about it. I mean, how many games have they won in a row? That is true. How many national championships have they that, won in that a row? Is, that is true. Comes with the uh, territory now. All right. Um, boy, this 
Thanks, Ross. I appreciate the phone call. And by the way, my man uh, Wilkerson's bro, that's the great legendary Chris Wilkerson's brother, did write, to be fair, everybody lives next door to each other in the little town of Washington. That is fair. That is, we are all neighbors in some way, shape, or form. To the text line next, top five stories of the day, including an OKC unlikely win yesterday, right here on The Ref. Oh, man, the top five stories of the day are uh, loaded today. We're going to talk a little bit about the Thunder win yesterday. But I uh, I will say I, <laughs> I forgot how over-the-top sometimes Thunder Twitter can be when they play terribly. It's like, well, this just this is terrible. They're awful. They they I guess they weren't that good. But then all of a sudden, Josh, they come back and it's like, oh my gosh, we're so good. Look how good this team is. Ride the roller coaster, baby. <laughs> it's hilarious. We got a lot of the college football story that we talked about an hour on the show. We've had so much to get to today that we really haven't had a chance to reset and uh, the the big meetings that are going on today and tomorrow in Dallas. But a couple of things on the Super Bowl. Eric in the OC writes, they should just make the Monday after Super Bowl a holiday and call it National Recovery Day. I mean, I wouldn't argue with that. We'd still have to work, though. Yeah. And and I got to say, look, I'm all for the national holiday, but uh, I don't mind working the day after the Super Bowl. I don't either. It's kind of nice. No one does anything in in any walk of life. Tom and Edmund, networks would use whichever night is best for casual fans who only watch one game per year. Appears to be Sunday. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, Sooner Soldier, only benefit to having Super Bowl on Sunday is to have bigger parties and get more uh, on Saturday, excuse me, is to have bigger parties and getting more intoxicated. And Patrick at the Mont likes the day off. Keep the Super Bowl on Sunday, but make Super Bowl Monday a national holiday. Oh, I do like Sooner Shane in Springfield. If you leave it on Sunday... Make it a 3 o'clock central time kick. Let's get this thing going. Uh, Top five stories of the day next.